This morning, God's Word comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. We are going to begin our reading at verse 13 and then read through the end of this chapter. First Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13. What we hear now is God's word. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, Through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we come to the end of our series of sermons on salvation, a series we began a couple months ago now, a series that uh, in which I relied heavily on the works of uh, Dr. John Murray and his book, which I've commended to you, Redemption, Accomplished and Applied. And we talked about those, both of those things. We talked about redemption accomplished. What was the nature of that redemption? Remember, children, those big words that we talked about? The words like expiation, the removal of our sins. Words like propitiation, the covering over of the wrath of God. We talked about reconciliation, how we are restored to fellowship with God. And we talked about redemption. The price that was paid to accomplish our salvation. Redemption accomplished. And for the last number of weeks together, we've been talking about redemption applied. And I've used the term again and again, ordo salutis. The the way in which God applies the finished work of Jesus Christ. We saw that that began with God's effectual calling. God effectually calls through the gospel. He then, by the power of His Holy Spirit, regenerates. He gives new life. Hearts that are cold and stony are made to hearts that are alive and loving. Hearts of flesh. We talked about faith and repentance. Those two things conjoined together. Where God gives us the gift of faith, but we are to exercise that faith and daily turn away from our sins and turn toward God. And we talked about justification. That one-time declaration 
that we are not guilty. Although we are guilty, we're declared to be not guilty for the sake of Jesus Christ and all of His obedience credited to our account. We talked about adoption, being made sons and daughters of God, and the great blessing and privilege that that is for us. We talked about sanctification and about perseverance as God continually works in us and we work out the implications of our salvation. This morning we come to the last step in the Ordo Salutis, glorification. And glorification is the purpose of the process of salvation. John Murray puts it this way, glorification means the attainment of the goal to which the elect of God were predestined in the eternal purpose of the Father. And it involves the consummation of the redemption secured and procured by the vicarious work of Christ. Our redemption secured and procured by the vicarious work of Christ. We could spend all morning just talking about that. We won't. We won't. But it is the goal. It is the end of the process of salvation. And as I reflected upon glorification this past week, it became, if I can put it this way, even more glorious to me. As I reflected upon what it is that happens to us, because I I think I tended to look at glorification a little too narrowly. It's something for me when I'm glorified and, and I'm with God forever. But glorification also speaks of God and His glory. He is the one who who absolutely secures our redemption in Jesus Christ and who in His perfect time applies that redemption to us. He gets the glory when that perfect uh, purpose unfolds all the way to the end. Glorification, yes, it is a blessing for us, but it ultimately brings glory to God as every part of our salvation does. Salvation is first and last from Him, and to Him belongs all of the glory. This morning, we look at that last step in the Ordo Salutis, glorification. And glorification is the only step that has not happened to us yet. All the other steps are either past or they are ongoing. In the past, we can hear about our calling, our regeneration, our justification, our adoption. Perhaps we can't mark the time these things took place. We can't say on the calendar on this day and this time, that's when it happened. But we know that these things have happened, all of them in the past. Some ongoing. We talked about sanctification, how we continually strive to live by the power of the Spirit to bring glory to God in our actions and perseverance, that we continue in the ways of the faith. Glorification, the only thing we are still waiting for. It is something in the future, but something that is not immediately upon our death. 
Now, to be sure, there is a blessedness we experience upon our death. We are immediately taken to be with the Lord. As our confession says, death is the end of our sinning. What a glorious thing. It is our glorious entrance into eternal life. But Paul, when describing these things to us in 1 Thessalonians 4, says this in verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, what's he talking about, children? Fallen asleep. He's talking about those who have died. But Paul uses this language, fallen asleep, for a variety of reasons, one of which is when we fall asleep, there is every expectation we will wake up again. There is more to come. Uh, After church uh, this morning, after we finish the Sunday school and catechism, going to go home, my wife will have a nice lunch for us, and then after that, I'm going to go up and take a nap. I'm going to fall asleep. And I I have every expectation I'm going to wake up from that nap and then come back to church again tonight. There's more to come when we think about falling asleep. Paul uses this language to remind us that even after our death, there is more to come. There is a glorification that awaits us. He speaks similarly to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, he says this, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Yes, we are with the Lord after our death. We are at home with him, but there is more. There is more to come for those who die in Christ Jesus. Again, he speaks about that in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, he says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart to be with Christ, for that is far better. When we leave this life, when God calls us to himself, we are with him. We are with him. But there is still more. There is still more blessedness than than the the, the lack of sin anymore, than the entrance into eternal life. There is more to come for the believer. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that that, uh, classic text about the second coming and the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, 
and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Glorification is not just our death and being relieved from the burden of sin. Glorification is the death of death itself. When death itself is swallowed up in victory, there is more to come for the believer. Yes, after this life, we are taken immediately to be with our Lord and Savior. But even then, we look for the final glorification of all of God's people. When He fully completes all of His work and brings to Himself all the glory that He deserves. Glorification. There's more to come in the future. This glorification is something that will be experienced by all. There's a universal nature to the glorification. Uh, all will experience it at once. Unlike our death, we will each die at different times, but the, the final glorification we will all experience at once. Again, from our text, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. This final glorification, this time when God comes and brings full glory to himself, when Christ is all in all, he will call all, the living and the dead, to experience this wonderful blessing. Again, from the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at 51. He says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, there's that language again, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There's this glorification that will come to all to those who have preceded us in death, who are with the Lord now, and for those of us who remain alive until His coming. The universal nature of that glorification for those who are united to Jesus Christ. I call your attention to one more text in the New Testament from Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verse 13. We are waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are waiting for the glory of His appearing and for all who are united to Him. There is a glory yet to come, the completion of God's work as He brings glory to Himself. Oh, we don't experience that now. We don't experience that yet here, as we live below, we may have times of suffering, times of trial. Paul speaks about that in Romans chapter 8. 
where he says, if we are children of God, children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. There is suffering and glorification. Trials, tribulations that, 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 that affect us now. But there is this glory to come. This glory for all of those and for only those who are found in Christ Jesus. God will bring glory to himself by bringing each and every one of his elect, each and every one of his chosen, all the way through this life, all the way to that, that final glorification, when we praise God for what he has done, we who are, who are sinners, who are fallen, who have received his mercy and his grace, praise him for his love and his kindness and his compassion to us. God receives the praise when the elect are brought to glory. And God receives the praise when the reprobate, when the unbeliever receive their just judgment. God demonstrates himself to be both merciful and to be just, who will by no, no means allow sin to go unpunished. And even in anguish as the unbelievers cry, God is God. He brings glory to himself. A blessing for those who are found in him, and yet God receiving the glory even for those who are sent away to eternal destruction. Are you found in Jesus Christ? Are you united with him, even now, perhaps in suffering? Because that is the only way we have hope for this future universal glorification. And so God calls you once again this morning to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone to know, to know the future is glorious for you rather than only an eternal condemnation. He calls you this morning to trust Jesus Christ even if it is in times of suffering that you might also receive His glory. This this. this, this universal glorification that takes place not only affects us it even affects the world in which we live it affects creation scriptures speak about a new heavens and a new earth i think of uh, romans chapter 8 once again verse 19 for the creation waits for the eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Even the world around us will experience this glorification. Creation now waits, it groans, it looks expectantly for what God is going to do. And that beautiful work is described for us in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that are done in it will be exposed. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is our expectation. 
new heavens, new earth, a rebirth through fire, a glorification, not only for us, but even for the place that we live, as God brings glory to himself, as God reforms creation, a place where there is only righteousness. This is, this is the more to come. Not only upon our death being taken to be with the Lord, as wonderful as that is, but there's more to come. A new heavens, a new earth, where all of God's elect will, will spend all eternity. In light of this glorious future, which we can look forward to with confidence when we find ourselves in Jesus Christ, in light of this glorious future, Paul says we should be encouraged. Again, from 1 Thessalonians 4, he describes uh, what's going to happen in the future, but it concludes this way, verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Encouragement to what? Encouragement not only to what's going to happen in the future, but encouragement right now, in light of that, to live in a particular way. I was surprised how many times uh, the descriptions of the future of this final glorification are linked with how we are to live now. In, uh, in theological terms, our eschatology is linked with our ethics. Knowing where we are going affects how it is we live today. Again, from 2 Peter chapter 3, we read there, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies burned and melted away. In light of what's coming, how should you live now? We ought to live now in ways that, that praise and thank God for the assurance of our anticipation of the final glorification. We are to live now in a way that, that honors Him, that praises Him, that blesses Him, not so we can somehow attain that glorification. No, that's been accomplished for us by Christ. And we anticipate and look forward to that according to the promise of God. But because of that promise, we now live today in a way that brings glory to him. He'll bring the final glory to himself in, glory, in our final glorification. But we are to live in a way that brings glory to him now. Once again from Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we are to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, saying no to the ways of the flesh, saying yes to the things of God, and, 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 and by the power of His Spirit, living in a way 
that honors him, that seeks righteousness, that seeks godliness. Because we know, we know what our future holds. We know that God will bring complete glory to himself when he, when he glorifies us on the new heavens and the new earth. And in light of that, we live in a way that, that seeks to please him now. We didn't read the beginning of chapter 4, but that's really kind of where Paul begins here. Finally then, brothers, we, <clears throat> we ask and urge you from the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Walking in ways that please God because of what's coming. And doing so more and more. Continuing to, to seek out the ways of righteousness, the ways of holiness, the ways that will, will say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit working in us. Glorification. That, that final step of the ordo salutis, that, that, that terminus to which each of God's children are destined. Salvation is first and last from God. He will take us all the way from effectual calling all the way to glorification, and in doing so, He will bring glory to Himself every step of the way. And knowing what God has done, we say, how can we thank You? How can we praise You for this glorious gift? We will live today in a way that anticipates the glory that is yet to come. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you and we praise you for the finished work of salvation. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for his work of expiation, his work of propitiation, his work of reconciliation, and redemption. And we thank you, O oh God, that although there was nothing in us that would be pleasing to you, you have chosen, chosen us for your very own, and then applied that finished work in our hearts and in our lives. We know, O oh God, what the future holds for us. Even after death, we will be taken to be with you. We will not be left in the grave. Taken to be with you and and even then looking forward to that greater blessing, that final glorification, when all people will recognize who you are, your glory, your power, your majesty, those who are found in Jesus Christ joyfully crying out, hallelujah to the Lamb. And even those, even those who are destined for destruction will be forced to confess, you are God and you are holy. Lord God, work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may today live in a way that brings glory to you, that seeks to honor you because of your glorious gift of salvation from beginning to end. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.